Welcome back, everyone, to another fantastic episode of your favorite podcast and my favorite podcast, but not Austin's favorite podcast. Correct. Not in the slightest. It is good old explaining to Austin with me, Peyton Brock. Hi, Peyton Brock. It's me, Austin. It's Austin. The Explained. The Whomst is Explained to. The Explained One. Austin, the Explained One. Now... Do not approach him without new information to explain to him. Yeah. You know what episode this is, Austin? It's 18. Oh, it's legal now. Legal and of age. But no longer able to buy cigarettes or gamble. Because they bump those up, right? Yeah, it's 21. For both? Cigarettes? Yeah, gambling has always been 21, I thought. But what if people used to buy, like, a cigar and a, and a scratch-off when they turned 18? Oh, oh, lottery. Oh, lottery. I guess that's different. You, I thought you were talking about gambling, right, like, right. casinos. Okay, maybe. but lottery is 18, right? I think so. Okay, but I know they definitely moved up uh, tobacco. 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 Well, tobacco. Regular tobacco. Regular non-wacky tobacco. Uh, <laughs> not the devil. Just lettuce, not the devils. Regular lettuce, but not the eating kind. Somewhere slightly different than regular lettuce. Imagine if somewhere along the way, like, eating tobacco was, like, a thing that began. Like, it was eaten like a leafy green. Like a tobacco uh, salad. Or, like cook tobacco like you would collard greens right. and braise it in bacon fat and vinegar can't imagine that would be i'm assuming they tried that it was awful and um, then they were like wait a second but if it, this it smells really i like inhaling the fumes let's do that i'm googling what does tobacco taste like let's not eat it let's inhale the fume well you no. kind of are eating it when you do like um what does tobacco when you're chewing tobacco you're kind of eating it right i'm talking non-dried you have it in it's like gum Non cured oh oh okay okay what does it say uh, okay i'm reading the thing on reddit uh-huh this guy says strange question uh what does tobacco taste like oh it's a vaping subreddit oh yeah r slash electronic cigarette what a weird name. Why wouldn't they just go r slash vaping? I bet r slash vaping is way cringier. Probably. I don't go on Reddit. Yeah, not me neither. Except not for Not much. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I won't lie. Um, you having... Sounds like you're having a beverage. I am having an Irish coffee. I'm having a... I'm having a, uh, a, a is that nice... A, is, that a, is that a can of Coke? No, it's a, uh, it's a, a can of margarita. Margarita mm. in can. Oh, in can margarita. My favorite brand of margarita in a can that actually tastes good to me. Cayman Jack. Cayman Jack. Yeah. I also recently because not sponsored. I not spawn. I wish. I wish we'd get that Cayman Jack. If you want to send us either money or product, feel free. Let's Uh, tag them. Let's tag them on Twitter at Cayman Jack. Uh, I they have a multi pack recently, and I got also tried their. Moscow Mule was quite good. Ooh, ooh, I do love a mule from Moscow. Anyway, um, so you're doing well, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I went to a Chinese buffet with a friend tonight. Good. 
I ate pretty much two and a half plates that were full of just different forms of chicken. Well, of course. It is a Chinese buffet. Right. As one does. Also had some random puddings. Very nice. Did they have um, those like Chinese donut things where it's like the a little sugar donuts? Yeah. yeah. I love oh, yeah. I like those. Of course they do. I'm a fan of those. I'm a fan of those as well. I had some sweet and sour chicken and I took a bite and it tasted like the fryer oil was old oh. and had you been used for some fish and it just <laughs> Tasted like shrimp, and so I threw that piece away. I didn't like that. They call that the rest of it shrimp good. chicken. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Uh, what I was misled. I felt like the label said sweet and sour. I was pretty sure of that. Um, mm-hmm. But they clearly fed me shrimp chicken. Right. Uh, well, it happens, you know. It's a gamble when you're at a Chinese buffet. Yeah, you know, I can't blame them. I work in kitchens, so obviously I get it. You accidentally get your shrimp chicken mixed up with your uh, sweet and sour. It happens all the time. Fair enough. Austin, yeah. um, I, I had the I I was having a thought recently. Mm, Are you aware nice. of like the 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 main nickname for Ronald Reagan that people had? Oh God! I, if you say it, I probably have heard it. I just can't. Uh, is it Runny? Uh, <laughs> no. Gremlin. Nor nor is it nor is it America's favorite toilet. Was it Reggie? Old old dementia. Ron Reg. <laughs> Old Ronnie Dementia. <laughs> the biggest Whoa. piece of shit. Uh, um, no, his nickname... Captain that, Crack. Well, that... that uh, his, his nickname... I guess that'd be Nixon. Yeah, well, it could be no, Reagan. No, that was Reagan. Well. It was no, Reagan. That's my bad. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking back to the Killer Mike song, Reagan. Right. Uh, his nickname that, that I've always heard him referred to as was The Gipper. Hmm? The Gipper. Now, what in the fuck does that mean? Exactly. I w- that came up in my mind the other day. I don't know if it's because someone, ref- you know, I was listening or reading something that referred it referred to him as that, or if I just happened to think of it. I don't remember. But I was like, what is that? What What is a Gipper? To me, okay, because I have no clue. Now, if you asked me on the spot right now, what do you think a Gipper is? To me, it sounds like some sort of fishing or maritime related thing. For some reason, my brain's going... I guess it's, like, obvious phonetic word association, but, like, someone who quips. Huh. Like, someone who's, like, quick thinking. Hmm. You know, like, oh, uh, the Gipper's at it again. Like, he would maybe back people into a corner in like, a speech. Like, Gip and Quip. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think in my mind, it's going to the phonetic thing of Skipper and Gipper. Ooh. Thus, that's where I'm getting the fishing slash maritime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, Gipper kind of sounds like, um, Grouper. Uh, which is a fish as well. But, okay, okay, I've heard I of mean, it. do we want to leave this up to, to our imaginations and further guess, or should I do a live search here and find out why? Or I can search it or and you can. tell you how accurate you were. Either way, you want to search it? Yeah, let's see. Go ahead. The Gipper. Or maybe, like, why was he called the Gipper? I don't know. Reagan. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay, well, there was a football player that played in, like, the early 1910s named George Gipp. And they called him the Gipper. No, they really did. Uh, the old Gipper's um, got the ball, he's going down, he's got the pigskin, and he's running down the old 75th. Literally, because Reagan played George Gipp in a 1940 movie. 
Oh, really? Oh, that well, that makes so, sense. He's got a secondhand nickname. So it his, wasn't even his fucking nickname. What a piece of shit. I mean, it's couldn't like... Even get, he couldn't even do that originally. You know, Reagan was the one who cut the welfare state and was like, gave up all the shit to the... To, to people on welfare and people using social services and yet he and you know for being lazy and all that but he himself couldn't even come up with his own nickname he, he wasn't stole even it given a good nickname he was just using someone else's nickname who he was pretending to be i'm not surprised he started a movie about a football player from the 1910s that no one's ever heard of nor the movie has anyone ever heard of. Yeah, dude. No one ever has heard of any of Ronald Reagan's movies. Like he was like he was a, a bad actor. He was that like was a movie Re- really yeah, he wasn't like I've never no, seen nor heard anything like about his film. There's like some clips from like his old movies, and it's not good. Like he was not. I know he's like, in a he monkey have, with one of them, and he's a bedtime for Bonzo. Yeah, he didn't have like a great screen presence. I think he was just like handsome for the time. I don't know. Like, I, what was I watching? No, I was listening to another podcast, and they got talking about Reagan's like movie roles, and one of them was like, "Yeah, I'd never seen it," and he was like, "Yeah, no, he's bad." Mm. Like that was the whole thing. Huh. I mean, his most convincing performance was was on the Iran Contra deal, and 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 acting like he was not guilty. This country has a strict policy not to capitulate with terrorist demands. Although the facts, although my heart, my best intentions tell me that we did not trade arms for terror for for uh, for hostages, the facts and the evidence say otherwise. How do you know that that by memory? Because it's in um, the Killer Mike song, Reagan. Oh, okay. The first verse, like, sets it up. And it, right. like, he goes, um, he's like, the United States has a strict no capitulations policy where we do not trade arms for hostages. And we will not do that. And then the first verse comes in, Mike's talking about, like, how shitty Reagan was and, like, all the things he did. Uh-huh. And then after that verse, it comes to another clip of him. And he's like, um, a few months ago, I told you that we did not trade arms for hostages. And while the my heart, my best intentions tell me this is true, the facts and the evidence say otherwise. And then uh, Mike goes into his second verse, like, the end of the Reagan era. I was in 11, 12, or something like that. You know, it's so good. Huh. And uh, it's just like a cool, like, kind of like act two of the song mm-hmm. to, like, go into how shitty he was. Is like, right. even after his president, the shit, this is shit that stuck around. Right. It's actually a very educational song. Well, obviously, <laughs> yeah, you know the speech. Uh, I feel like all of his movies he was in are all, like, they're all, like, about some, like, random, they're all, like, real-life biopics about some random white guy that no one else in history has ever heard of. It's about, it's about, it's about the first white, it's about the first white man, you know, like, a really mundane, like, white guy achievement. Like, it's about the first white man to ever run this fast it's like not even that fast or it's like it's about a cowboy who decides to shoot a guy or a man takes care of a monkey it's just the most like boring 1940s movie topics it's about the first basketball player from minnesota to score more than a two-pointer yeah yeah it's the first white man to score a three-point shot they had to invent it for him yeah Uh, but yeah, well, I'm glad we solved that, and now we know that his nickname was just a, a, a lazy-ass stolen nickname from a dead man. It's about the first school teacher to hit the kids. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I guess, like, so, like, 1910, was the radio even a thing yet in 1910? Because, oh like, oh. would they have even had, like, a commentator for, like, a 1910 football game? Hold on, I'm gonna look it up. 
I'm looking up more about George Gipp. Okay. I'm looking up when was so, first football radio broadcast. Um, man, this kid. No, this was apparently the first football was in the 1921 was the first live radio broadcast. Damn, and Gip died in 1920. This guy died. He was... He was 25 when he died. Oh my. Well, back then when playing football, like, they didn't even have the leather so... helmets. It was pure. It was mostly. It was just like. No, no, no. Worse rugby. Of, he died of strep throat and pneumonia. Oh, God. Two now, things that you can go to CVS to get fixed now. That was ba- Yeah, that was back then where it's like, oh, man, we're sorry. You have the cold. Uh, you have about three days. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, just hold your breath, maybe. We don't know. Uh, sir, uh, because of your mild cough, we've decided the best course of action is to remove your entire throat and replace it with a rusty metal pipe. Um, but yeah, also though football back then, that was even like pre leather helmet. It was mostly, it was basically just like rugby, but like less, same protection as rugby, but more dangerous. Yeah. Um, so he... Okay, so he was Notre Dame's first All-American, mm-hmm. um, and second consists as All-American overall. Um, he, on his deathbed, oh god, oh yeah, yeah, okay, on his deathbed, he was talking to like one of his, his, uh, his, play, his players or his coach or something, he goes, I've got to go, Rock. It's all right. I'm not afraid. Sometime, Rock, when the team is up against it, when things are wrong and the breaks are beating the boys, ask them to go in there with all they've got and win one just for the Gipper. I don't know when it'll be. When I'll be. I don't know where I'll be then, Rock, but I know. But I'll know about it and I'll be happy. That's actually pretty damn touching. They probably have that like in the locker room or something. I mean, yeah, uh, win this one is just me. For the Gipper. I mean, I I don't know much about like the general history of football, so I I mean, this guy might be like a major significant like like athlete that everyone has heard of and we just haven't. But <laughs> uh, I I certainly haven't. Uh, on his deathbed, he also said. Ah, oh, well, it's my time. I've I've fallen to the immutable and unsurmountable foe that is strep throat that no one shall ever be able to conquer. It is more it, streptococcus bacteria. All mortal men will fall to the to to when when against a foe like strep throat. <laughs> and then he died. Then his next words were Ugh. Yeah, and he like fucking puked everywhere. Yeah, as he died. Hey, so are we talking about a movie tonight? Well, maybe. Let's get to that. (laughs) I was just asking, you know. Our government has a firm policy not to capitulate to terrorist demands, that no concessions policy remains in force. In spite of the wildly speculative and false stories about arms for hostages and alleged ransom payments, we did not, repeat, did not trade weapons or anything else for hostages. All right, well, as Austin alluded to, of course, as is the format of this program, we have a movie today, and Austin, I told you the name of the movie and who it was by, so why don't you tell us that? The name of the movie is... Multiple Maniacs by cult favorite filmmaker John Waters. And now I'm that's going. That's his full name. Well, that that's exactly the text I sent to you 
and so I am assuming that you're just reading that because of the text I sent you and not yes you you are you aware of who John Waters is that name sounds real vaguely familiar so no okay uh and uh, do you have any questions for me you have you want to hit me with some with some guesses or questions about this film well so cult favorite filmmaker means John Waters has probably directed some other B movies right uh yeah B movies kind of uh midnight Maybe movies some, some beloved and uh uh kind of outside the mainstream has he directed anything we've talked about not not no not on this show no okay okay um when did this come out when was he active this film came out in 1970 and mm. i would say his kind of most active time period when he was kind of at his height when his most renowned stuff was made was the 70s and the 80s though he is still act he was still active after that period and is still uh alive and active today in his oh. artistic work well that's neat yep um so i'm adjusting my headphones because my hair is annoying me oh I should have put it up, but oh wait, I have a hair tie literally right here. Okay, is this movie a offensive portrayal of life with DID? Uh, good question. Uh, but no. Okay, good. It is multiple in the literal sense. Okay, because like when I hear about an older movie called something like Multiple Maniacs, I have to wonder if it's like a hurtful portrayal. Yeah. Well, any movie, any movie like pre like 1990 even and even after that still any movie that had the word like maniac or psycho or crazy it was like wow this dame's got depression she's a real basket case (laughs) (laughs) it's like any mental health problems whatsoever was like worthy of you being put in a straitjacket in a room for the rest of your life it's like you're telling me this broad is sad after she miscarried we gotta lock her up exactly jesus christ guys i will say you're the first word you did it is it is, uh, I'd say this is a movie intending to offend and be offensive, but in like, just, it is trying to offend the 1970, uh, you know, everyday nuclear family way of life. It is trying to, it is trying to be as, uh, you know, offensive to the norm as possible. Ooh, is it like about polyamory or something? In a way, yes. Uh, but like in through being... Peyton... As a polyamorous person, am I going to take offense to this? <laughs> no, I'd, I'd say, I'd say in, well, like, knowing John, as I get into it, you'll see. But, like, it's one of those movies where, like, it was intentionally trying to be, like, out and in your face about these things. Because a lot of, you know, the, the people making it were, like, against the norm. And so, like, it, in its offense, it's kind of, like, being, like, showing pride, almost. And, like, embracing okay. the, the, the... How how much of outsiders they are, and how much they enjoy kind of fucking with the uh, status quo. Ooh, almost like the Adams family, where it was like designed to be the exact opposite of a nuclear of like all the traditional family values. But like even this is like times ten of the like out like against the norms. Adam family is like leave it to Beaver compared to this. Oh damn. Okay. Um. Was it received well for its time, or because of its offensive nature, did it 
like tend to just get bad critical reception. I mean, it, it was very much an independent film. So okay. what little critical reception it did get was negative. However, almost immediately it gained an underground cult following and um, has since John Waters, this movie and John Waters in general have, um, you know, over the last uh, 50 years, basically, you know, become iconic and praised and, and beloved, uh, you know, by both fans and film scholars and other directors Um this film, in fact, is is was restored in 2016. Uh, apparently, in like 2014, the Lincoln Center in New York held a John Waters retrospective in which the film print of this film, which had been sitting in like a storage closet in John Waters' house, was was screened. Him assuming it would maybe be the last time this film, which is one of his earliest, would ever be seen. Um, but then, 2016, this film was restored and now is a film. O- apart and released by the Criterion Collection. Ooh. Well, you know what I always say about Criterion. No, I, I do, you've never said a thing like once. Uh, if it's Criterion, you know you're going to want to be in. You know, I'm feeling it. <laughs> yeah. Criterion, you want to... Get it in. If... if if it's Criterion, you're gonna wanna get it in my ass. Your butt. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, what else, Austin? Um, let's see. Maniac. So okay, I'm assuming the Maniac's referring to the weird family in this. Yeah, it's like. Uh, well, the name is also a reference to something, as I'll get into. But like it, you know, it's kind of your, you know, just like. Uh, let's uh, the care that it's kind of referring to how you know offensive and like and for the time anyway uh bizarre the characters in this film are okay yes go ahead and take a sip as loud as you can <sighs> thank you what do you get what else that it um was there anyone notable of the time in it or because it was any no. film i'm assuming no people there people in it are notable today because of their work with john waters oh. but but um well like you wouldn't know them unless you know john waters sure, sure um, of course but not. but uh i've always said that of course but uh for the time no it was just like people john waters knew but i'll get into who they are and how they're significant um and whatnot Okay, and um, lastly, what kind of budget are we talking? You know what? That's a good question. I did not look that up. Hold on. Let me pull it up. I'm sure. I mean, I doubt it's exact. I would say this is like like in the in the single-digit thousands, if that. Yeah. Um, but let me see if IMDb happens to have a guess. I, I'm assuming John Waters may have you know explained what it was at some point because um, he's written books and whatnot. Um, details. Here we go. According to IMDb, the estimated budget was five thousand dollars. Nice. In in nineteen sixty nine money. Yeah, that's what's up. So, uh, you want me to go ahead and hit you up with some facts about this film, Austin? Oh yeah. Okay. So this is facts about multiple maniacs. It is film released in 1970 it was made by 
famous, as I, as we've said, kind of renowned cult underground director, John Waters, not only directed and made by, but uh, he was basically like a one-man film team on this. He he directed it, obvi- directed the actors, he held and operated the camera, he also did the sound, he edited it himself, um, you know, he basically produced and organized it all himself, so it pretty much was like a one-man uh, effort in terms of behind the camera That's by impressive. John Waters. And now let me tell you about John Waters. Uh, he's born and raised, and all of his movies are in fact set in his hometown of Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, he's kind of a iconic figure when it comes to Baltimore. He went to NYU uh, after high school, intending to uh, do film. However, he was then kicked out after he was caught smoking weed. Uh, he basically went back to Baltimore area um, and basically just decided to start making his own movies, uh, all, you know, kind of indie underground stuff. Uh, this one was his second feature film and his first feature film to have uh, talking, uh, you know, on-screen mm. dialogue. Uh, we're talking about a talkie, huh? Right. And some other of his notable films that came after this uh, that you might have heard of any of these. Some of them include uh, Pink Flamingos, Female Trouble, Polyester, and Hairspray. Uh, mm. He is kind of his kind of uh you know theme and 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 aesthetic him personally he is both a lover of kind of like highbrow you know european art stuff like ingmar bergman and and godard and the french new wave as well as like i said bergman and kind of the the whole swedish film movement but he's also you know a big fan of you know your of the time your you know exploitation movies and your grindhouse movies and your you know early porn and stuff like that um and kind of his movies are this kind of strange amalgamation of the two um let me see his um uh, he would go on in his career um his most successful movie was hairspray uh which was then adapted to an extremely successful musical and then there was actually a remake of hairspray but as the musical version that released sometime in the early 2000s i don't remember when um, he didn't direct it though. Uh, that's got like Zac Efron in it and some other people. I don't oh, word. Uh, but, uh, in the nineties he would work, I know with, um, he did a movie with like Johnny Depp. Um, <laughs> he's fairly, you know, he's well-renowned as a filmmaker, um, from people like I know David Lynch, um, what is both like personal friends and a fan of John Waters, basically all kind of underground film uh, John Waters was a very, you know, influential kind of underground filmmaker um, for the 70s. He had a cast of actors that he kind of utilized again and again in all of these early kind of underground movies uh, called the Dreamlanders. And of course, they're all, you know, local friends and people from Baltimore as well. Some of those uh, names include uh, Mary Vivian, David Lockery, uh, Mink Stoll, Edith Mason, um, George Fing, uh, I, my handwriting is killing me again, uh, Fings and Cookie Mueller. But his most famous uh, collaborator and star who starred in this as well as Pink Flamingos, Female Trouble, Polyester, his, his, his kind of muse, if you will, mm-hmm. is uh, the 
drag queen Divine. And mm. Divine is basically the first celebrity drag queen. It, it, it existed as a thing, as an act, as an activity, as a, as a subculture sure. before Divine. But I, I would wager that all modern drag is kind of thanks to and based off of Divine and the success of, of Divine and their performance. And uh, I, I would think that's, that's a safe explanation to, to say. Uh, Divine, okay. uh, real name, uh, Harris Glenn Milstead. Um, and Divine was this kind of larger than life. He, he as a, has a guy, was a very, he's a larger guy. Divine's obviously this, this large woman, very larger than life, domineering and, uh, and bombastic, kind of all of your standard drag queen tropes. She kind of right, really, right. she kind of was the real pioneer and, and, and kind of characters that displayed that. Um, in her personal life, or in his personal life, he was gay. He claimed uh, to to be just a gay man, and he just enjoyed playing Divine as a character, and not being any that he wasn't specifically trans or anything. Um, but it is important to note he died of heart failure, possibly, probably due in part to weight um, in the '80s, I believe '88. So obviously, you know, that was much before even you know, trans acceptance. Um, so who knows if he had lived, if he would have decided otherwise, but as when he died, he, he, he claimed to identify as male. I will say, uh, I will refer to him as the actor as him, but in the movie, as we'll get into, the thing is in the movies, it's not like he's playing a drag queen. Most of the time divine is like in the films, like characterized and portrayed as like just a full, like a, you know, just a woman. Um, not a drag queen. So in the hmm. film, I'll refer to the character Divine as she, but as a as a performer, I'll refer to Divine slash Harris Glenn Milstead as as he. Right, um, he also had a successful, you know, kind of just career as as a drag queen outside of John Waters' films. He even made some disco music in the in Ooh. the early '80s, which I haven't listened to, but I'm certainly interested to look into now. You know, I was literally just talking to someone today about disco. Oh, I love disco. One of um, an incredibly uh, influential genre in so many different ways. One of my friends posted on their Snapchat story. Uh, Every day, I think about the lady who told me, and I quote, "Disco was about getting fucked up and getting fucked." That's that's definitely accurate. It's a great genre, influential and. In, from 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 funk to to modern hip hop to Absolutely. obviously electronic music, you know, would yeah, be what it was. Did a lot. Was disco is basically you know what led to electronic music. So influential genre. I'm going to look into Divine's disco career. Yes, um, so with the film itself, Multiple Maniacs, its title is influenced by another film I've actually seen and enjoy, a film called Two Thousand Maniacs by a guy named Herschel Gordon Lewis. And now Herschel Gordon-Lewis is considered the godfather. I think it's, I think it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> Very good. Uh, that's how that's pronounced. But uh, Herschel Gordon-Lewis is considered the, quote, godfather of gore. And he basically invented mm-hmm. the splatter genre of movies. Uh, this was like... Uh, like in the early 60s, so kind of like around 10 years before John Waters, Herschel Gordon-Lewis was making these independent low-budget movies, most of which he filmed and made in Florida, which were all kind of independent, sleazy horror movies that really relied on, uh, you know, gore effects and, 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 you know, 
violence to really sell themselves. Uh, they're very fun, very campy and ridiculous. Um, 2000 Maniacs, one film of his, uh, is about these tourists getting stuck in a town full of uh, Confederate uh, ghosts. And mm-hmm. the Confederate ghosts, like, come to life every hundred years and hold, like, a festival. And these Yankee uh, uh, tourists get trapped there and are killed off by these ghosts. And it's very violent. A guy gets crushed by a boulder that's dropped from, like, a tower. Uh, it's it's quite crazy. But so that this movie's title is directly, like a like reference to 2000 maniacs which i didn't realize but like to name your movie oh this is much more low budget we don't have 2000 we just have multiple (laughs) we couldn't afford all 2000 of them right Uh, it's just multiple maniacs Uh, multiple is like less than 10 yes when and i'd say that's accurate for this film uh it has nothing plot wise really to do with what happens in 2000 maniacs but it is very much does feel inspired by that uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis kind of filmmaking style of uh, you know shocking and and exploitative you know ridiculous entertainment. Um, it was ironically, and you'll see this as we get into the plot of how ironic it is that the first showing was done by John Waters in a rented out church basement. I love that. Um, the opening we'll talk about in a minute was actually shot on John Waters' parents' lawn. Uh, in front of their house. Nice. Um, out of all the locations, most were done, you know, all the outside stuff were kind of shot without permits, leading to some very fun shots where there are very clearly, like, people, like, staring at the camera in the background, being like, what are they doing, shooting a movie out there? Um, however, <laughs> the like one... The, uh, fl- back to disco, like the Like an Eagle music video. Yes, exactly. There, there's, there's plenty of shots of, like confused people and this is like even earlier obviously like 1969 they they shot it in 69 and it was released in 70 so like you know seeing like all these young this young guy you know making an independent movie with a 16 millimeter camera like was especially in a place like Baltimore uh, was probably quite unusual but the one place they did get permission and again we'll get into why the fact that that scene in particular was with permission somehow there's a church scene with permission Um, the opening credits are literally just like uh, like typed text, like printed text on paper, and you can see as they do the credits, it's kind of like jerky because it's literally just paper being like pulled up, like past the camera. Uh, <laughs> and um, as I said, John Waters again, kind of the one man army in terms of making this film. So those are my facts about about multiple maniacs. I will say that this is personally my first time. This was my first time watching a John Waters movie. It wasn't even my okay. intention to do the, an episode this week about this movie, but I watched it and I was like, "This is just too good not to talk about on the show." Um, but yeah, it is my first John Waters movie. Even though I've known who he was and am aware of his movies, and like I'm I'm a huge fan of like weird movies and horror movies and all that kind of stuff. So I know it might be surprising, but it's just one of those things I've never gotten around to until now. But uh, I can safely say, and uh, after watching this movie, that I will be watching his other movies. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so those are my praise. facts. Uh, any any other questions before we jump into it, Austin? No, let's get right into it. All right, I'm ready to hear about this train wreck. I love it.
right, Austin. Let's get into multiple maniacs. There are maniacs, and there are multiple of them. Just so you know, going into it. Okay. So buckle up, buddy. Well, I'm buckled. I'm buckled tight. I'm actually cutting off the circulation to my legs, but I'm safe. Good, good. All right. So we open after our after our credits that are done via dragging a piece of paper. Uh, opening credits. We are thrown in to a man uh, named David on the stage playing uh, his doing his Carnival Barker esque. Uh, advertisement just to any passerby on the stage and he's shouting to people to come and see lady divine's cavalcade of perversions Ooh, I like I, w- I would go and he's basically harassing like these kind of you know uh you know squares if you want to call them that people on the street Some well-to-do motherfuckers yeah like suburbanites to uh to come in and and, and see this ways. show it's real it's real live uh perversions uh, that you like you've never seen before it's not a trick it's not it's not a fake they, these are these are guaranteed freaks that we have sought out um and it's free so come inside to watch these um and so then we cut to some to some uh inside shots of examples of the activities going inside on inside the cavalcade and by like today's standards these are pretty tame but buckle up because don't worry we will eventually at one point in this movie get to something that is legitimately like <laughs> obscenely shocking even for today oh, yeah. uh but these first ones it's kind of easing us in we have like a girl licking and kissing a bicycle seat like a detached bicycle okay. seat okay. we have a man kind of just holding and fondling a, a, a bra while going like <clears throat> just like sitting on the ground okay. fondling a bra uh oh, we see that. two dudes licking a girl's upraised armpits one on each armpit licking her armpits i've been there uh there is um a guy who puts his cigarette uh, cigarette out on the back of another guy um and nice. we see a brief shot of a bunch of the performers naked doing a human pyramid well, love a human pyramid. Love a human pyramid. Um, it's always so impressive. Uh, then uh, we got back outside for a minute. You know, so by now there's about like, there's like a group of like three women, and then there's like two couples who have been convinced to like come in and watch the cavalcade uh, by David outside, who's uh, you know carnival barking. We get a uh, he's like come and see the real live act between a, a between a whore and her pornographer, uh, real and live before your eyes, and it's literally just like a girl sitting naked on a chair and a, and one of the other guy one of the guys taking a picture of it with a camera, like a, just an up close flash picture of her of her <laughs> genitals. <laughs> Meanwhile, one of the other cavalcade performers is walking around with like a little like you know old school like baseball vendor tray of ham burgers that she's selling for a dollar because like who doesn't want to watch a or eat a hamburger while they're watching a cavalcade of perversion am i right i would definitely buy a dollar hamburger at this cavalcade exactly um david outside is you know is like come inside and see real two live queers kiss right before your eyes and then it's just like it's these two like bearded dudes just kissing each other and the audience is just so appalled like oh my god they're really queers oh my god in the background you hear the funny ass line of quote why can't they just like women 
<laughs> one of one of the guys says, "Why can't they just like women?" Um, a funny thing is, all the women, like uh, squares, all the women suburbanites watching the cavalcade are actually played by a lot of the same actress actresses in the reverse shots doing the you know obscene acts. So they're like putting on these uh, these you know outfits and uh, and and performances of as these offended women. So it's very much like you know these uh, ridiculously over the top over-the-top, like, shocked suburbanites. Um, they bring in a heroin addict on a stretcher who's going, like, cold turkey, and then have, be like, watch him lose all decency as he demands for his, as his fix of heroin, and he, like, tackles another guy to steal the heroin needle the guy has and, and shoots up with it, of course, appalling the audience. Meanwhile, it's then, like, an abrupt cut to the backstage, and it's just like two of the performers just casually sitting there playing go fish like like the music nice. cuts out and they're just sitting there just like uh, got any eight? Uh, no, go fish. It's just like very like abrupt, uh, funny cut to them like chilling. Comedic gold, honestly. Yeah. Um. And then the camera pans up, and we have uh have our star divine sitting back to us, lounging naked on a uh, like a on like a on like a makeshift couch, and she's just sitting there. So we see her. We see her ass, and she's just laying there naked, looking at herself in the mirror. Um, and uh, she demand she she instructs the guys to go get her some 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 uh, meds and uh, and a and a joint to um you know like help her relax. Um, meanwhile, uh, David comes back and he's upset that Divine isn't dressed and ready to go yet for her kind of big finale of the cavalcade, as it is named after her. Um, uh, then a girl suddenly kind of barges her way backstage. Not one of the suburbanites, but a very, an obviously kind of um, an, an, a fellow uh, lady of debauchery like the rest of the cavalcade. She barges her way backstairs and is, says she's there to audition that David told her to come. She's, she tries to tell Divine about well, how... told her to come, all right. Well, you'll see it, that true you are, right? You are, Austin. Uh, she says that uh, she tries to tell Divine about how she has an act that's perfect for the show, uh, about how, like, she she talks about, like, her, her act is, like, I think it's, like, having sex or sucking off an elderly person, uh, like, specifically. And she's like, oh, I have a, I have this 70-year-old man that I do an act with. And, well, you know, he's actually my uncle. Uh, so, but Divine oh is God. very, Divine is very averse. And she's like, get that, get this street trash out of here. I don't want her back here. And, and she basically throws her out. Um, meanwhile, in the show, uh, as, as, as David, you know, cause it's kind of nonlinear. David puts it when he's carnival barking, um, come inside and see a real live puke eater. He'll lap it up right up. He'll lap it right up. He loves it. And, and a thing about David, the actual actor, his name is David, but the character is also named David. A thing about his performance is like, I don't know. I, I haven't read about his personal life. I don't know if he's gay or not, but he very much all of his his performance is very much like a mean gay guy like that kind of like mean yeah, like yeah. flamboyant voice so when he says three minutes left to catch the puke eater he'll lap it right up he loves it uh and so so then after divine throws the girl who wants to audition out we cut back inside to the tent and for the audience a man uh the puke eater who they have a sign next to him that literally reads puke eater as if we wouldn't know. <laughs> He's sitting yeah, you're there. You're telling me you need to label the guy eating puke. Right. He's sitting there puking into a bucket and then scooping it back out with his hand and eating it. 
Uh, now I read in oh, the... Oh, it's his own puke? Yes, he's a puke oh, eater. that weird. He's eating his puke. I read in the behind the scenes that, uh, that it is that apparently they use cream corn for the puke. Um, yeah, smart. No, he didn't yeah, really did you ever Did you ever see the, like, uh, Steve Carell remake of Get Smart? I believe so. Yeah, they, yeah. Once, maybe. Yeah, there's that scene towards the end where he has to be in a fighter jet to get somewhere really quick. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, puking into a bag, and it's, like, a close-up of that. Uh-huh. Uh, for some reason, I'm fully aware, that, like, I don't know why I know this trivia, but they use Campbell's Chunky Vegetable Soup as the puke. That's probably a good idea. This is obviously, again, uh, black and white, you know, because for the time, color film would have been too expensive. Oh, so yeah, cream corn looks, you know, probably basically the same, because you're not yeah, really, honestly. you don't see that it's yellow. It's uh, it's just a chunky, gross-looking thing. Um, hey, that's what they called me in high school. Hey, me too. Uh, the audience, uh, wait a second. I was friends with you in high school. They didn't call you that. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, it's in the bio that we've been friends since like fourth grade. (laughs) It's in the, it's in the show description of the show on all the places. Um, meanwhile, so the audience sees a puke eater. They kind of get upset, um, and like want to leave. However, at that very moment, uh, David comes in and is like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, what comes next? We are legally not allowed to tell you, but I will tell you this finale will be something that is seared into your mind forever. Now, oh boy. Now come this way uh, as we usher you into our special tent finale. And so they kind of usher them from the main tent into this other tent for a finale. Um... Of which, when they all get inside, Divine is kind of revealed as she walks out in, in, in kind of like a skimpy dress from behind the curtain, holding a very tiny little pistol. And she points it at the audience and is like, you know, all right, you fucking assholes, put your hands up, do it, boys. And, the, and then two guys drop who are standing on chairs above the audience. Like, very clearly, it's not like they were obscured or hidden. It's a tiny little tent. Drop a giant net on top of the audience members. <laughs> like, literally just a big-ass net, like a fishing oh net. God. And the audience falls down and are screaming. Uh, the the guys whip the net off now that the audience is on the ground. Divine holds this little gun that really... It looks like when in the past I've taken, I, I still have it at home somewhere. I literally took a, a, a cap gun and spray painted it black um, to make it look like a gun uh, for like a YouTube video I did along. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It looks like that. <laughs> it looks like a cap gun. Uh, Divine is pointing at them and she basically tells them, you know, everyone hand over your wallets, jewelry, handbags, etc. Or else unless you want to get shot. One girl tries kind of like talking back to Divine and Divine just like shoots her and the guns like the, the, the gunshot is just so pathetic and like pop wimpy like a pop it going off. <laughs> um, but the girl like falls dead and like, you know, there's a cut and it cuts back and there's like really like shitty looking like fake blood. Um, I love that. And Divine's like, all right, now unless one of you wants to get shot too, I suggest you start forking over the money. And one of the guys is like, wait a second, this lady's hurt. We got to get her to a hospital. And Divine is like, she's not hurt. She's dead. <laughs> um, and they, like, basically, you know, start stealing from these people. And then they, like, are, like, you know, tormenting them. And uh, they they threaten and then inject one of the women with, like, uh, an injection of acid. Uh, then they Jeez. tie... Then they this talk- is a Saw movie? Well, it's, well you, you have to remember, this is, like... 
filmed on someone's front on his parents front lawn and this is a tiny little tent she's holding a gun that looks like a calf gun it's all very much like ridiculous I love that. uh and so they then tie them up like with the shittiest looking like they just put a rope around the like outside of the group so that it's just like tying them up um, and then, then the cavalcade kind of runs off into the woods behind the tent and they're kind of like making their way out and they're looking through, rifling through the purses and stuff. One of the people go, damn, one of the people say something like, what ugly children they have. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, meanwhile, as they start to head off, uh, David steps aside where, because he's called over by the same girl from earlier who tried to audition that's hiding mm-hmm. in the bushes, and we find out that she's actually his mistress, and she's upset that the plan didn't work to get her into the cavalcade, and she's like, I gotta meet you, David, I gotta see you, and he's like, okay, well, we'll meet at this cafe later, I, you can't be here right now, it's too dangerous, Divine might see you, and we gotta get out of here before the cops get here. Um, and so, basically, uh, meanwhile... Uh, they, uh, Divine and everyone else basically get aside and get into a car and they all drive off. Uh, and then later at Divine's um, kind of apartment, um, her and David are there and they're bickering and Divine's talking about how she just wants to like murder more people because David's upset that she murdered the person and it's going to get them heat from the cops. Divine's basically like, I wish I would have murdered all of those assholes um because divine is just like doesn't give a shit she just wants to like fuck stuff up even more yeah she just wants to kill it sounds like she's out for blood she's just out she's out for blood and 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 out for justice sit, if you will. out for justice <laughs> no the exact opposite she just wants to do whatever she pleases and not have to worry about anything um oh, no. uh meanwhile uh <laughs> meanwhile uh divine then goes upstairs um and uh, oh uh, first there's like a Sharon Tate murder reference where Divine like references that she uh that she murdered Sharon Tate um oh to, to David which we'll get back to in a bit um meanwhile then Divine goes upstairs and she t- talks with her daughter who's like part of the cavalcade and also like um shown to be like a um like kind of like a radical like Vietnam protester um, and a sex worker and she's upstairs nice. she's upstairs in her room with like her with a guy she's brought home which she describes she's like oh mom this is my new friend you know whatever he's a weatherman and at first when i watched the movie i was like oh he's like a like a meteorologist and but later divine is like you have to be must be so brave to do something like that and i was confused but then i remembered and when i looked it up i was like oh i can't believe i didn't think of that he's when she says he's a weatherman she means he was a part of the the group the weathermen or or the um i'm trying to remember what the other word for it was uh it was something like the weather Something I don't remember, but uh, it was like this left-wing um, militia group in the oh. late '60s, early '70s. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and they like um, they like staged riots and 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 tried to bomb some different government buildings in response to like escalation. Yeah, I've, I've absolutely heard of them. Yeah, escalation in like the Vietnam War and other U.S. imperialism. Um, they're. Um, their 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 mission statement and kind of their um, opening uh, thing they released was uh, achieve the destruction of U.S. imperialism and form a classless communist world. I love that. So pretty cool. Um, they were unfortunately they were like 
you know, obviously they became like a big target for the FBI because they also were kind of like in cooperation and trying as an allies of, of the Black Panther Party among their other stuff and including the bombings. Um, so obviously they were, you know, targeted by the FBI and they eventually disbanded after the Vietnam War. But obviously that's what they that's what they the, the guy in in this one scene is. He's a weatherman, not a meteorologist. Um, but um uh, so also in the scene in the daughter's bedroom, all of these things in Divine slash her daughter's apartment was actually John Waters' apartment. That's where it was shot. And in the background, you do see this postcard that has a lobster on it. It's like a seaside picture and then like a big lobster superimposed on top of it. And that'll be relevant later. So remember that. Uh, it but a what on it? Wait, say that again. A lobster. Okay, a lobster. Her. Yeah. Um, but uh, meanwhile downstairs david calls that lady his mistress mary uh he calls her at the diner and he's like i'll be there soon they meet at the diner and they basically talk about how david talks about how he's tired and sick of putting up with divine and he wants to leave her for mary and then they decide i guess because this cafe has rentable you know like hotel rooms upstairs they go decide to rent a room upstairs to have sex meanwhile the cafe owner who has overheard them calls divine and tells her basically you know that she overheard david you know his uh cheating on her with some lady and how they're upstairs at the cafe so obviously divine's very upset and she leaves the house to basically go confront david however on her way as she's walking she is attacked by two members of the cavalcade who happen to be standing nearby in an alley huffing glue from bags um and so basically they like <laughs> they like jump oh yeah yeah they jump uh divine from behind and tackle her to the ground and drag her and like it nothing explicitly is shown but basically like they're like you know like fondling her and grinding on her uh and beating her up so you know like assaulted and and attacked and she's left there you know in the alley kind of beat up and we suddenly get voiceover from Divine, you know, talking about how I had never been, I had never been, you know, assaulted and, and objectified in such a way before. But suddenly the, uh, the infant of Prague appeared to me, uh, which, okay, so I had to look this up. Have you ever heard of the infant of Prague? No. Okay. Well, in the movie, it's like this little kid that looks like he's dressed like the Pope. He's got like a long, like Catholic kind of robe on and he's holding like a scepter and one of those balls with like the crosses on the top. And he's got like a crown. Um, I looked it up. Apparently the infant of Prague is like this statue of Jesus in some Catholic church in Prague. That's like believed to be like holy and like sacred and it's like dressed up and it's like i don't know why specifically this statue but it's like ordained by the church and all this fancy stuff that it's like it's basically like a holy relic um so divine sees like a a a living personification of this infant jesus statue um okay well appropriate for someone named divine yes exactly um and he basically you know like saves her helps her up um, played by, like, an actual, like, toddler child again, which is uh, hilarious. Divine sees, uh, the infant's appearance as basically God's grace on her, on her anger and her plan to go and find and kill David. Um, <laughs> the infant leads Divine to a church, um, and then disappears, so divine then goes inside the church she's like she feels compelled and 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 you know compelled by god to to become you know to become righteous 
Um, and, you know, even despite all of her wrongdoings, she now feels ordained by God and, and justified by God. And so she goes inside to pray and she like is like praying and trying to remember like biblical stuff. And she remembers and we see like a visual like reenactment, which th these are great because it's just like these like weirdos who made movies with John Waters dressed up in like robes and, and like, you know, <laughs> portraying Jesus and the disciples. Um, we see specifically um, the story of Jesus multiplying the loaves and fishes, of which when the person brings the loaves and fishes, the loaves are literally like five hot dog buns <laughs> and two just like loose fish. Um, he multiplies them, which then the multiplied uh, loaves and fishes, the, the loaves are just bags of sliced white bread and the fishes are just like a stack of like canned sardines. Um so she's praying and she sees this. Um, meanwhile, there's like this lady in the church that divine kind of sees and, and senses. And she's kind of upset by it because she's like, I could feel this lady's like, you know, energy distracting from my holy, you know, prayer. Uh, and this lady seems really fixated on divine. She ends up approaching divine and basically seduces divine into like a lesbian encounter inside the church. So they start oh, nice. kissing, they start kissing, and this is all, like, in voiceover, still Divine is like, she only said, you know, seven words to me, which were, think of the stations of the cross, think of the stations of the cross, of which Divine says, that was the key to the most satisfying sexual experience of my life. And so basically this whole time, which they're, they, they start making out at first, then Divine is like, and it, it's showing all of this, they're like in a real church again, this is all being filmed in a real church. Um, she start. They start out kissing, but then Divine is like, at that moment, I used, I realized the the lady was using her rosary um, in the most explicit way, using it to sodomize me. And then the lady literally uses the rosary to like, she's sticking the rosary up Divine's like exposed butt. <laughs> Oh my god. And so they're doing this and they're kissing. Meanwhile, it's cutting back and forth and showing like divine like recounting like in like exasperated like breath. Uh Jesus going through the stations of the cross and being whipped and like carrying the cross and falling and you know being helped back up to his feet and then on all and getting <laughs> crucified. All the meanwhile as as it is described by, 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 you know, if you look it up, they describe it as, quote, a rosary job. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, so is this not just a stag film at this point? Well, we'll get to more later. <laughs> uh, so this goes on for, like, I mean, it's not that explicit. You don't see any actual, like, genitals. Like, all you okay, see okay. is, like, Divine's butt and a rosary getting, sh like, shoved up it from, like, a medium distance away. It's not like, I mean, the, the, the general, like, what's happening is very explicit, but what you actually see isn't. It's more just, like, you know, uh, just, like, how, because of how, you know, sacrilegious it is. Um, but this scene literally goes on for like 10 minutes of him just in this church doing all this. Um, and when they finally finished, it's like them, like, you know, like straightening out their clothes and fixing their hair in the, like sitting there in the pew while he's got the whole world in his hands, like happily plays. 
Oh it's very God. funny. Um, and then it cuts, and there's even a guy in the church, like, shooting up heroin <laughs> inexplicably, which, according to the, the, the fun facts of the behind-the-scenes, say that was the guy that somehow got them permission to shoot inside the church. How the hell that happened, and how the hell they shot that without getting immediately kicked out, I have no clue, but I, want to, I wish I knew. Yeah, um, I need to know that. So after all that, Divine and this lady basically head outside the church. The lady who, who tells Divine her name is Mink, but she's often referred to as the religious whore um, because oh, because yeah. she's no she throughout town. All she does is just go to churches to get off, basically, and like either like pleasure herself or pleasure other people in churches. Um, and she also says she uh, she sleeps at night in confession booths. She's like, yeah, they don't check the confessions booths before they lock up the church at night. And so I just sleep in the confession booths. But she does say, like, uh, it's only tricky on Saturday nights because they get there early for Sunday morning or or when it's holy, you know, when it's a holy holiday because they get there early for the early services. And then she's like, uh, and you can forget about Lent. I basically have to stay in synagogues. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, but she also says, which I love, she says like she gets money because she seals from the poor boxes because she says, it says it's for the poor and I'm poor. I love Which this. is, a, I mean, it's valid, valid yeah, reasoning. Yeah, like fair. Um, and Divine explains to Mink basically, you know, how she's like mad because David is cheating on her. Uh, we cut and we see basically David and Mary, that's the girl, um, they're like finishing having their sexual encounter, uh, of which comes one of my favorite lines I've ever heard. All of my favorite, like, Divine is great physical performer and everything she does is amazing, but some of my favorite lines in this movie come from David because he, they finish having sex and David goes, I love you so much I could shit. <laughs> which is just i don't know like i don't know why but that line is just so fucking funny to me that carries the same energy as people being like i'm so mad i could spit yeah um but um we cut back divine and mink still you know walking uh and divine basically explains how she's gonna kill david Mink, Mink is like, oh, you know, she she realizes, wait, you're divine of divine, you know, the cavalcade of perversions. Oh, my God, I'm such a huge fan. Uh, and then basically, you know, Mink says she'll help divine kill David. Meanwhile, back in the uh, in the in the rented room, David is explaining to Mary basically how like him and divine's relationship has gotten worse. And he's like, you know, at first we were working well, you know, we were doing great job robbing, you know, liquor stores and all this stuff. But then he's like, you know, recently divine, you know, it's like, she'll just, she'll just hit places just because she doesn't like the people inside. And she's overly like cruel and, and sadistic to people. She doesn't like, he explains how she ran over a cop um, in, yeah. in her, in her Cadillac. And he says another just fantastic line. He says, quote, if she gets to kill a cop, it's one of her most satisfying days. Damn, Divine is pretty cool. I man. know, it's like, uh, uh, literally me. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so then David and Mary decide, you know, he's like, but we can't be together because Divine would hunt us down, you know, track us down and kill us um, if she found out. And so they basically decide that they're going to kill Divine. Um, and what they'll do is they'll go back to Divine's apartment. David will seduce Divine, and while he's doing that, he'll give a signal, and then Mary will come in, you know, out from being hidden and shoot Divine. Um, so, 
Meanwhile, Divine and and Mink, they arrive at the cafe and are told by the lady running it um, that, you know, David and Mary left 15 minutes ago. They get harassed by a cop and, and are, you know, get rid of him. Eventually, they, they actually, like, Divine chokes out the cop at one point, which is great. Because she talks about how I've always wanted to kill a, one of those cops with my bare hands. So she literally, like, strangleholds a cop to death. Um, and basically, her and Mink decide to, like... You know, she's like, because she's leaving David, she decides to, to become Mink's, like, official, like, lesbian lover. Um, so, so David, David, I will say that that period we just got through as well as a little bit further, it, it is the point of the film that it drags the most and is, is a little hard to get through. It's worth getting through for what we're about to get to and those lines that I said a minute ago. Um, but, um... Between, you know, how long the, the, the rosary job is like ridiculous and funny, but it does go a little long. And then also like the conversation between David and Mary when they're like in bed, it's like one take uh, and it goes for like five to ten minutes. It's very kind of tedious, like one take conversation, um, but it is worth getting through. So just 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 FYI. Okay, um, noted. So David and uh, David and Mary arrive at at Divine's house. She's obviously not there, but the daughter and one of the one of the guys from the cavalcade is there, and they're basically they're basically you know they basically harass the daughter you know and call her you know like a whore and stuff like that, and uh, to get her to try and leave. And the guy from the cavalcade is complaining about how he hasn't gotten paid yet from you know the stuff they stole, and. David is like, you better watch what you're saying or I'll fire you. And <laughs> another great line, not from David this time, the uh, cavalcade guy performer stands up and he goes, look, Mr. Fag man, you didn't hire me and you aren't going to fire me, which is funny because like he's also gay. And so then David's offended and he's like, and what do you mean by Mr. Fag man? If I were inclined to your disgusting perversion, which I am not, you would be the last guy I'd want to be with. Why is uh, everyone so sassy in this? No, literally, it is so fucking just the peak of like gay sass. And John oh, Waters himself this. is like a very sassy gay man. Oh, you really? probably have seen a picture or something with John Waters in it. He's like very iconic looking. He's very, he's like a very tall, slender guy with like a comb over and like he's got like a pencil mustache oh, that like is like God, pencil yes. no, that's I'm not even real. Right yeah, it's like penciled in. Um, so like he himself oh, is like super shit. sassy. This makes a lot more sense. Yeah, he's very like super sassy gay guy himself. Um, so like of course all the characters in his movies are like like sassy gay guys. Um, and so you know basically uh, they harass uh, the daughter and the performer guy enough to get them to leave the apartment. But the daughter, as she's storming out of the apartment, um, she she startles Mink, who's or, uh, Mary, who's in the hallway, and Mary shoots her. Think you know out of out of uh being unprepared you know because she's on the edge waiting for divine to shoot her so she accidentally shoots the daughter and she freaks out coming in and then david's like well i guess we're in this now and he's like point the gun at the guy and uh so they point the gun at the guy and tie him up and then they throw uh the daughter's dead body and the guy who's all tied up behind the couch and make the room you know look normal uh so not to tip divine off so um then um, at that moment, David also picks up a newspaper and like the front of the newspaper is talking about the conviction of the Manson murders and Sharon Tate's murder um, by the by the three girls and also Charlie Manson being imprisoned. And David is uh, basically like, 
what she lied to me now i i now i have no reason to be scared of her what a liar she can do she you know basically you know like pointing out how divine is like not as scary as she tries to make herself appear um and actually this was done out of necessity because as they were making the movie is when the manson like uh they caught the people and so originally in the script they were actually going to have it like be that divine murdered sharon tate um but then they added this in to like adapt um so now david's kind of more confident and less afraid of divine uh Mary uh, and David kind of get on the couch as Divine and Mink come in. They try to make everything look normal. And after some some bickering back and forth, Mary stands up, pulls out the little pistol, and tries to shoot Divine. But she misses. Divine grabs a knife. She had grabbed a knife from the kitchen, takes the knife, and, and pounces on Mary and starts just stabbing her. And it's very funny and, like, entertaining, like, stabbing. I'm using quote air quotes because it's very much like the um you know pretend to stab her but like still leaving like copious amounts of room in between like where the knife ends and the actual body and like trying to cut to make it not as obvious but it's very obvious like there's one shot later on where she clearly like is just like hitting the air and nothing of the body um yeah but of course, like, you know, it's this very like over the top death scene and Mary's like shouting and screaming as she's being stabbed. Um, meanwhile, uh, you know, so they stab Mary, um, divine then pounces on David and he tries to like plead with her. Um, but then divine ends up stabbing David and stabs him to death and then like pulls out his organs. And it's very clearly just like raw meat that they got from the store that they've like put like under his shirt (laughs) and divine like pulls out the raw meat. And I will give her props for this dedication. She literally is like, takes, starts eating the raw meat. Like, I don't know what kind of meat it was. I'm hope I'm assuming hopefully like beef or something that's like at least a little safer to eat raw. Um, but yeah, she starts eating and is like, you know, going like crazy and cannibalistic. Um, and she starts exclaiming to Mink how, like, how turned on, and Mink is, like, super turned on by the cannibalism, and Divine's, like, he's, like, she's, like, uh, he's just meat now. He's just, like, ground meat. Let's dig in. And so she's eating David, and Mink is turned on. But then from behind the couch, the tied-up guy suddenly falls out. Mink uh, panics and shoots the guy, which makes Divine mad. So then Divine turns, partially probably because of that, partially because she's supposed to just be, like, going crazy. She turns on Mink, stabs mink to death um <laughs> stabs her lesbian lover to death um then divine stumbles on her daughter's body behind the couch and of course she's all upset and she's crying and then she lays down on the couch and basically like is starting to like go like insane and is laughing and is like you know supposed to be going insane and then and then and then austin i i'm let me and then i want you to guess what what happens next okay so the next not the rest of the movie just the immediate following moment divine's on the couch all these people are dead and she's kind of like laughing hysterically what what is about to happen remember some things i might have said earlier something about a lobster divine is sitting on the couch and suddenly you hear this like very noisy rustling and suddenly a giant like paper mache like size of a large couch lobster prop giant lobster no just like enters the frame and like starts attacking divine 
and has her like pinned against the couch. It's very awkward, like big prop that's like can barely move. And it's just like kind of like on top of Divine, like assaulting and attacking her. Just a fucking giant lobster that that um that John Waters says was inspired by one. There's a Salvador Dali, the famous surrealist. There's a painting by him of like a woman, a naked woman, and like in front of her genitals is like a lobster. And uh, and in in overall in like the surrealist art movement, lobsters were kind of like a, a a reoccurring thing. But also apparently, John Waters says at one point he was like high on LSD and staring at that lobster postcard in his bedroom. <laughs> And he had the thought for this giant lobster, which he calls like like is called Lobstera, like a oh like like God. a kaiju name, Lobstera. Oh. And so so this happened. You know, the lobster attacks Divine for like two or three minutes of just like Divine very over the top, like ah ah, screaming as a giant lobster <laughs> is like just like on top of her on this couch. Um. And then he just kind of, like, moves back out of frame, and it's over. It's it, Not the movie, but the lobster attack ends inexplicably, and it's, there's no explanation given before or after. The lobster's gone. Um, Divine gets up, and she's kind of, like, fully insane now, and is, like, her makeup's all smudged and crazy, and her hair's all messed up. She goes back in a room and comes back out, and she's... Um, she's changed into, um, like, lingerie and a big, like, ostentatious fur coat. And then the, then the final, like the final, like 10 minutes or so is this montage basically of divine leaves her, leaves her apartment and basically just rampages through snowy Baltimore in lingerie and a large fur coat while Strauss's Mars bringer of war plays over top of it. And so it's just Mars bringer of war playing, right? Holst, not Strauss. You're right. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Good, good, good catch. Hulse Mars Bringer of War plays. As Divine, she like, she carjacks a lady and pulls the lady out of her car, steals the car. She runs up to like some teens sitting in another car and like chases them out and then takes a sledgehammer and smashes the car. She goes around the whole car and like smashes every window. Then, then she starts like, just like wild, like, ah, just chasing a horde of like children and teenagers just up and down the streets for like five minutes until finally the army again, air quotes, which is like, you know, again, these, these actor guys, John Water would have used with their long hair, scrawny guys Mm -hmm. (laughs) in in, like surplus army uniforms with like fake, like I read online that they were like ROTC, like training rifles that don't actually, you like spin well I, they looked realer than that but i guess they didn't they weren't functional um but them. true so they basically like come up and are like you know they basically round up divine it's like four or five army guys they basically with the guns pointed at her like back her up and round her up and then in, when when they have her surrounded they shoot her and it's very clearly like you know edited like added in post like I, i'm assuming john waters like got like recorded footage from another movie or TV show of like gunshots. Cause that's how it sounds oh, yeah. as they're shooting divine and then sh- dead and shot divine laying there on the street. And suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, uh, um, uh, America, the beautiful starts playing what <laughs> just like fuck? solemnly. Oh, America, America. 
Monica da, 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 of shots of Divine laying there dead on the street. <laughs> cut the credit. Cut end. The end. What the fuck is that movie? <laughs> it's great. That's what it is. I'm not doubting that. It seemed. I don't I I just don't know what to think. Austin, that was Multiple Maniacs. That sure was Multiple Maniacs, huh? Did it did it live up to the name? Uh, yeah, that's an understatement. It's Multiple Maniacs, both uh, the actors and John Waters. <laughs> Front and right? behind the camera maniacs. But uh, yeah, I will say again, as I mentioned earlier, that little middle part does drag. I was sleepy when I watched this originally the other mm-hmm. day, and I on it. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna lie to you. I I paused it because it was like nighttime, and then I decided to go to sleep, and then I finished the rest of it the next morning. And thank God that I decided to like finish it because that ending is so worth. You know, her murdering all the people, the giant lobster, then the like soundtrack <laughs> rampage, followed by the God or America the Beautiful playing as she lays dead in the street is the some of the funniest shit I have laughed at. I mean, it is just great. It's just so, it's just so like, all right, we got to end the movie. Let's just do, let's just fucking go for it. It's just so ridiculous and I love it. I just. But like the whole movie, it's like this. Just it's just try. It, it's 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 great that it works because like for the most part, to me, anyways, movies that try hard to be like funny or ridiculous often are like the least funny. You know, like Sharknado and all those ones that are trying hard to be bad on purpose. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But like this, it's like definitely like trying to shock and be ridiculous and is goofy. And like doesn't care obviously that much about you know like being a being a respectable or 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 you know artistic film, and yet it is it is so funny and entertaining and everything that it does that it's just like it's just so like much of a fuck it attitude, and like so much of a you know screw you we're gonna we're gonna try to you know show you everything you think you can't handle vibe that it's just so great. I just. And again, like the camp, like the campy factor mixed with like, you know, portraying these people that even though they're all like degenerate, crazy people, you know, even though like for the time, a movie where the lead character is a drag queen and there's like gay kissing and like lesbian stuff and like, you know, all this stuff like that, like it still feels like kind of like even as a member, you know, of the of the like you know as being trans and gay like i i find it entertaining and like kind of like you know i'm i'm almost proud of it i'm like hell yeah be gay do crime it is be gay oh, yeah. it is be gay do crime to like that is like it's be gay do crime the movie yeah that it basically yeah that could be the tagline for this movie it yeah. invented be gay do crime and lobster <laughs> and be, lobster. Game, be gay do crime giant lobster be gay, do crime, yeah, lobster? Rose, rosary job. Yeah, be, came, be gay, do crime, giant lobster? 
question mark? But yeah, so you th- I'm glad you think it sounds quite entertainingly ridiculous. It sounds like I wouldn't be able to keep up. Mm. <laughs> you keep up. Trust me. It's it's crazy, but like it's at such a pace where like I mean, for the moment you're very confused and shocked, but like you you like get it and like and like f- you get back into it and like go like okay, this is what they're doing now. Okay. <laughs> you 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 acclimate to the ridiculousness. Yeah. God. So, any any other thoughts about about multiple maniacs, Austin? No, I mean, I think I just like I it's not at all what I expected. What did you, I didn't, What were you I expecting? Know, I don't know what I was expecting. That's the problem. Hmm. I don't know either, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that was Look, like I'm not I'm not mad about it. No. <laughs> I'm I'm almost glad that it's not what you expected because I feel like explaining it to you was that much more fun. Yeah, like caught you off guard. Yeah, and I love being caught off guard occasionally. In this way, you know. In when this it's a kind fun, yeah, ridiculous yeah, yeah. movie way. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it sounds entertaining. We'll have to uh, watch it sometime. Oh, there, absolutely. The, I watched it on Criterion Channel because it's on there right now, and they have like a, a full like John Waters commentary track for it, and I really want to watch it with the John Waters commentary track because I'm assuming that'd be very entertaining to hear him be like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is how we filmed this and almost got arrested and stuff like that. Yeah, I would love to see that. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's Multiple Maniacs, Austin. I just love that when John Waters talks, you can hear his mustache. Yeah, it's very much he is he is an icon both in his art and just him. Uh and I can't wait to watch more of his movies. But now wait a minute. I'm talking about America. Sweet America. You know, God don't shed his grace on thee. glad you enjoyed multiple maniacs since we you know it's a short movie it's like hour and 18 minutes so we got through that pretty quickly but uh i figured we'd do our little fun shoot the shit in segment um i wanted to mention that on uh we got another five star rating on (gasps) apple Podcasts. um no review was left but it was we did get a rating wait no maybe two because there's four ratings right now. We talked about the one that we think was Brew that left a comment. And apparently, and then there's one that I left because I left a five-star review right when we started. Uh, might as well. Might as well uh, to pad it out. But then there's two other five-star reviews since then. Mm. So that's pretty cool. Hey, that's a 100% success rate. Hey, so far we're high-rated podcast for four or three people besides me. So far we're the podcast with the highest percentage of 100% ratings. Is that true? Sure. Okay. Well, if you say so. Um, I want it to be. Well, that's good. Um, You know, uh, just, you know, talking about how the show's going. So far, episode 18, 
I hope you guys have enjoyed all of the episodes. Oh, you all right? Yeah, I'm just fidgeting and I dropped it. Oh, well. Um, but yeah, don't worry, everyone. We will be firing Austin and getting a new co-host soon. So Fucking finally, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I'm happy with where the oh, show. Wait, that's me. With how the show's been. Yeah, that's you. Oh shit. You happy with 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 our first 18 episodes of this show, Austin? I've been having a good time. Yeah, that's good. I've been having a good time. Uh, the only thing that hasn't having a good time is our our the number of people downloading our episodes. It needs to be higher and people we need to get that higher so then we can start making money off of this we need your money send us money in the mail just mail it to us i'll give you an address it'll be in the description it's 1300 pennsylvania avenue yeah exactly um yeah but who knows maybe we can one day if we're successful enough what what, we do like a patreon do like bonus episode or something for yeah we could do a patriot patriot mel gibson in the patriot yeah we'll throw a flag at someone and kill him yeah uh you have a good uh holiday fourth of july austin not one that i really celebrate but (laughs) wow who would have guessed from how we talk on this show (laughs) i was working feeding the rich assholes right right um (laughs) so i work with a 16 year old Uh uh-huh and um, I slowly, I've been trying to radicalize her politically. Oh, good, good. And on the fourth, I was like, you know, um, I don't know what they taught you in school, but the Revolutionary War was not fought because of taxation as its main goal. And she was like, really? What do you mean? I was like, well, the crown, like in England, like the the royal, the, the queen or the king was like, hey, uh, stop killing the natives and taking their land. You right. can't. That's fucked up. You right. really shouldn't be doing that. And we said, mm, nah. no. We said, We're, how about no? How about we kill them all, take their land, and make this the biggest country? With and their wooden like, teeth, they said, we like killing the natives, and we would like to keep having slaves on our plantations. <laughs> What if what if they made Hamilton, but like they actually all had like shitty teeth and stuff, and like all so the rapping funny. was like, I I mean I I, I, spit. I already am not a fan of Hamilton, but the historical inaccuracy just drives it over the top for me. So I think it it would be a whole lot better, you know, if they it would in like the I don't think me personally I really don't like that style of rapping that like Lin Manuel Miranda does. So I think it would be like a whole lot better. Like there would be an excuse for the bad rapping if all of the characters had like horrible like speech impediment with like wooden teeth and it would be love like, it if, like my name and they were, like, is like spitting hard the whole time like My like, name is Hamilton and I'm here to say I like slaves in a major way. Yeah, fuck yeah. Uh that's coming that's called that's called uh Hamilton Reloaded and Austin and Peyton, we're, that we're gonna be like the new. We're gonna be Hamil like teeth. We'll call it Hamil teeth. Hamil teeth. Yeah, we're gonna be like the new. Like you know how like you know Gilbert and Sullivan who did who made like musicals in the late eighteen hundreds were like the big. They were like the big like comedy musical guys. No, we'll I didn't be, know that. We'll be like they they did all those. They they're the ones that do like Pirates of Penzance and HMS okay. Pinafore. Uh, and the song Modern Major General comes from. Um, one of those i can't remember pirates of penzance i believe um but yeah they're like the big like comedy musical guys in britain in the late 1800s we're gonna be like the new gilbert and sullivan people associate like the two names we're gonna be like brock and bennett and they'll be like oh man brock and bennett they're comedy musicals you gotta be hits on broadway 
We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna have Tonys under our belt. Neil Patrick Harris is gonna be like Jello pudding in our hand. We're gonna rule Broadway with our musical about Hamilton, where they all have wooden teeth. Hamil teeth coming to a theater near you soon. You know, I'm like pretty neutral on the subject of Hamilton, like on. Like, you know, I really, I'm not a big musical person. I just think it's, like, really cheesy in, like, all the worst ways. Well, like, so I don't, you know, I'm not a big musical person to begin with. Like, I've only seen a couple that I, like, genuinely like or, like, have listened to the music outside of that. And I know, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda has said that, like, he loves, like, like, 90s rap, like, Biggie and that kind of shit. Right. Obviously. And, I mean, yeah, who doesn't? And, like, that's where a lot of his, like, influence came from. But, like, I don't hear that No. At I mean, all. like, outside of the fact that one of the songs is, like, a direct reference to the um, Ten Crack Commandments. Like, besides that, like, stylistically, it doesn't sound like... Not even slightly. The flow is, like, not even close to that style of the 90s. I just... I just... And, like, and then I just get annoyed with how... I, I don't know. This is such a weird take. And I everyone I ever say this to is, like, what the hell's wrong with you? I don't like the way that all show tunes sound. Like they oh, no, all sound I understand. The same. I understand. Like, show tunes in any musical, I don't care what it is. It's like they all sound about the same. Like they could all be from the same musical, and I just, I just don't care for no, it. No, I mean, I, I get. I, as someone who does like some musicals, I understand that sentiment. Um, and I think there are the there are good ones out there that are like sure. not like that. But Hamilton, that's my problem. Is it's all very much too like um like cutesy like that and Lin-Manuel Miranda himself and it comes through in Hamilton he's obviously like a huge like you know like lib like rich oh, lib yeah, for sure. um you remember that time during the 2016 election when he made that um thing for Hillary Clinton trying to get people to like her running mate for vice you remember her running mate Tim Kaine and he, Lin-Manuel oh, yeah. Miranda Miranda made Tim Kaine in the membrane <laughs> And it was like just oh the most, just the most like cringeworthy like parody. Like he is just so much like the like epitome of like that kind of like ugh, like kind of like he's he's like he I don't know. It's like I feel like he he thinks he's more important than he is when he's really just like not really helping or doing all that much. But I don't know. I don't know if he thinks he's more important or if he's just misguided. Yeah, well, and there, or if that... he's like, or if he's secretly based, then he's doing this to keep his fan base. Mm, well, he hasn't proven that he's he's worth. He he's never done anything <laughs> that would show that he's like based. No, you know what? I'm gonna. It's headcanon for me now that he's like a straight up communist, but he's also like he knows that if he like reveals those like beliefs, then he'll alienate all the Harry Potter liberals that love well, him. Well, but like at this point, he's rich and famous enough and, and has enough fans that he could do something and they would probably True. like it so if that's the case he needs to fucking get on with it and stop sitting on his ass and making stupid stuff and oh man have you seen about Karl Marx right do that do, have you there's that one picture of him where he's like making like the poggers like soy face you know what I'm talking about yes yeah, that yeah. one picture of him it's just like his it just makes me want to like cut my eyes out He's just any every interview I watch with him too. He's just like, uh, he just seems really just kind of like annoying. <laughs> he seems like an annoying guy. 
unfortunately. I mean, I wish he was cool. I mean, maybe he is. I, I mean, maybe we're wrong, but that's yeah, just what we're I... just being mean. Listen, when Hamilton gets big, I'm sure he'll want to meet with us as he sues us for copyright infringement. As we get the cease, as he hand delivers the cease and desist, I'm sure he'll want. No, to he. You can't have an. Can you have? He can't. He can't like. He's. He doesn't own making a thing about a historical <laughs> figure, and he doesn't own rap. We can make whatever we want. So we'll see you when Hamilton is number one on Broadway and wins a Tony, Lynn. We'll I'll see, see you, you in Hamill Hell. We'll see you in Hamill Hell, Lynn. And that's all for today's episode. Uh, see you on the streets, Lynn. See you in hell, bitch. There are ten things you need to do. Number one. You register to vote and it's on. You post that Hillary sign up on your lawn. Number two. Call some undecideds with your crew. Your cousins in Ohio maybe try and flip them blue. Number three. Watch Hillary examine the terrain. Watch a campaign with the man Tim Kaine. Ah, uh, Tim Kaine in the membrane. Tim Kaine in the brain. Number four. Hillary makes each decision. Looking at the world from a rarefied position. A pub-